the end, with a myriad of strategies all aimed at survival, life will persist. Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark, and this episode was written by Joe Horn. I find myself constantly in awe of the natural world. Trees whose mass is literally grown out of thin air can be larger than most buildings, and we use that wood to build our homes. Fungi whose bodies can be as large as the landscape and ancient beyond measure. Water bears that can survive just as well in a mossy spring that stays a constant temperature all year round as they can embedded in a glacier or out in space. And just when I think I've seen or read about it all, I find something else incredible. Pale green, hemiparasitic plants which derive some, but not all, their nutrients from a host plant. Or parasitic plants that are red or orange or yellow that find all their nutrients from robbing other plants. And the harsher the conditions, the wilder the strategies become, like the silene stenophylla flower, which was recently excavated from 124 feet under the permafrost in Siberia. It had been resting with mammoth and bison bones, yet when planted, it still grew and flowered even though the seeds were 32,000 years old. And bogs, those ancient, sodden expanses of moss and decay where plants eke out a living in harsh, acidic, saturated peat in some peculiar ways, like the topic of today's episode, the purple pitcher plant, which is flowering right now. With so much decay in a bog, it seems odd that the environment would be so nutrient-starved, but upon a closer look, it makes sense. Most bogs in our area formed after glaciers retreated about 10,000 years ago, leaving shallow depressions. Those depressions filled with water, forming ponds, but gradually, plant life and sediment filled in those depressions. When the conditions were right, sphagnum moss began to creep into the pond's boundaries and then slowly stretch across the piles of decaying plant matter until the entire pond, or most of it, was covered with a thick mat of sphagnum. Because of the abundant water which settles into the natural depression and the thick mat of plant life, the soils become dense and highly anaerobic, meaning there is little to no oxygen available. As a result, very little decay occurs, and the plant matter actually builds up a slight dome of sphagnum above the surrounding landscape. This raised hump of sodden soils means that the only source for water into the root horizon is from precipitation, which means almost no nutrients are entering the system. This nutrient-poor environment means that plants need creative strategies for survival, such as growing very low and slow, or by capturing their own source of nutrients. Enter the purple pitcher plant. Pitcher plants can make living in these harsh conditions work because of their uniquely modified leaves, which, as their name suggests, are pitcher-shaped. Rainwater enters those pitchers and mixes with enzymes naturally secreted by the plant. Purple is an interesting color in the world of plants. Flowers that are purple and the purple markings of pitcher plants are generally thought to attract flies who are, along with being attracted to odor and temperature, attracted to purple due to its resemblance to rotting flesh. The purple color, matched with a sweet reward, lures insects in, while slippery, inward-facing hairs cause the insects to lose their footing and fall into the pitcher. Once the insects drown inside, the pitcher's enzymes and bacteria make short work of breaking them down into a nutrient soup that the pitcher plant can absorb to fuel growth and flowering. If the leaves aren't odd enough, the flowers seem otherworldly. The single flowers stand atop a single flower stem that stands a foot or more above the plant. The petals and sepals of the flowers are anywhere from red to purple to green. 
They generally nod downwards, but some of the flower parts are recurved back in towards the sepals and petals. Once pollinated, the flower fades to a capsule full of seeds to sow the next generation of these magnificent carnivorous plants. So this weekend, you could head to your nearest bog, be it in Lubeck, Orono, Unity, or elsewhere, in search of flowering pitcher plants. If you do find these marvelous flowers, take care not to disturb them. It's a tough life living in a bog, and these plants work hard to produce these flowers. They are best observed and left alone to produce seeds for future generations. You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phenology. (laughs) 